back to Truncated Thoughts presented by Prescouter, where we have short discussions on big ideas in healthcare. I'm Jeremy Schmier, and I'm joined by two very smart people today, Dr. Ryan LaRanger and Dr. Joao Guerrero. Today, we're talking about nanotechnology, which involves the ability to view and even manipulate atoms and molecules. For lack of a better way of putting it, nanotechnology is small, like really small. One nanometer is a billionth of a meter. So Ryan and Joao, and maybe Joao, you can kick us off. By now, nanotechnology has uses in many industries, but in the medical world, we're seeing applications for targeted therapies, diagnostics, tissue engineering, surface modification. How does all this work and what makes it so special? I think that's a, a great way to start it. I, I would say that you know, nanotechnology within healthcare, I, I see it as three main buckets, at least the, the ones I see more interesting uh, for myself. You know, one of them is drug delivery, you know, for therapies. And, you know, that covers a, a few of the things that you brought up, such as, you know, targeted therapies, tissue engineering, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, the other one is for uh, diagnostics, because, you know, a lot of what you can do uh, with, with nanotechnology, which is getting the right drug to the right place, you can also getting, uh, you know, the right uh, marker to the right place. And now you can see what's going on. And then finally, you also have, I know, let's call it the, the surface uh, world, you know, where you can have surfaces that are, uh, I know, let's say make them smart or, or actionable with nanotechnology, for example, making them antibacterial, making them, you know, have stimuli that's going to make, you know, the body react in a different way. That's what I see as the, as the main ones uh, for me. Ryan, your thoughts? Uh, as for myself, just very, very quickly before we dive too far in, uh, there's an important thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about nanotechnology in medicine. And uh, often we think of sort of nanorobots, very small robotic creatures with arms and legs. Uh, many applications of nanotechnology in medicine are just using very small particles. So for instance, in, can in lung cancer diagnostics, it's just you know, using very, very small uh, magnetic iron particles to allow for early detection and imaging in lungs. Uh, the only other thing that I would mention along these lines is that with the advent of mRNA therapeutics, uh, many applications of nanotechnology which are focused on the delivery of DNA to cells are going to be very important enablers of mRNA therapeutics moving forward, in my opinion. I, I think that's a great point, you know, and, and maybe, you know, focusing a bit more on the nanoparticles is something that's interesting because I, I do understand what you're saying, Ryan, where people just, you know, go into that science fiction thing. But, you know, typically, I, you know, when you speak about nanoparticles, you're either speaking about an organic nanoparticle or an inorganic one. Um, you know, and an organic nanoparticle, it just means that you know, it's, it's something like, I don't know, maybe it's a natural polymer, it's a liposome, something that's going to be similar to what you have, I know, in your body. Uh, that typically makes it I know, easier to, to go where it needs to go. Uh, while the inorganic ones uh, are, I know, your gold, iron oxide, Ryan brought up a few applications for these, uh, and these have other properties. They're more often used in diagnostics, but you know, also a bit, um, you know, a bit for drug delivery as well. Uh, they do come with other challenges, which is often understanding, okay, what happens when too many of these stay in your body? Because uh, you want to make sure that, I know, there's not going to be long-term uh, issues. And, and Ryan, I, I have a 
want to throw it back to you, but one more thing that makes nanoparticles very interesting in terms of drug delivery is exactly that accumulation aspect. You know, you can have passive or active one. Active one is a lot of interesting stuff for us maybe to discuss a bit, but just passively, nanoparticles have, I know, this ability, let's say, to accumulate in certain tissues. And that makes them great for, for sometimes something like tumors because tumors have you know, higher permeability, you know, there's a lot of fluid going into tumors, but they also have high retention, right? So nanoparticles, even without a lot of engineering, a lot of times, you know, by an effect called EPR, they can just keep accumulating yet there, making it a, a great way to, you know, target uh, something in a simple manner. Oh, 100%. I mean, if you look at the uh, if you look at the structure of tumors, it's they have these very, very leaky blood vessels. It's a mess. And so you're absolutely right in saying that uh, particles can accumulate there. And a good deal of the body of work in the nanotechnology, in the nanotechnology, nanoparticle medical space is focused on accum getting drugs to focus specifically on the tumor, right? Uh, some of my favorites involve things where we might have to worry a little bit less about accumulation, particularly carbon nanotubes. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we talk about graphene carbon nanotubes in a number of applications, but this is one where you really benefit from them being sort of a definitionally neutral molecule, right? Not having to worry so much about accumulation of uh, metallic particles or something else. The only thing I would add here that's a benefit from the uh, cancer or the oncology perspective is, and this is more of a general point, one of the big functions is making sure that the therapeutic focuses on the tumor. And this is important on oncology because oncology drugs are terrible. Um, the, just the side effects are very, very bad. And one of the real limiters on treatment for patients is how much of this drug can that patient stand before the side effects are so bad that their health is affected. One of the benefits of these nanotechnologies in their sort of most basic form is that you're able to get a higher local dose of the uh, drug in question without having such a high systemic dose. So the patient's side effects are often a lot lower. Jeremy, does that make sense? Yeah, I'm tracking you guys for the most part. And I think what, what you've been bringing up are some of the challenges and some of the potential side effects or, or dangers with metallic particles or other things. I'd like you guys to, to expand on that a bit. You know, this seems like some of this is a little bit nascent or there might still be proof of concept needed. What are some of the challenges that prevent nanotechnology uh, from being more mainstream? Well, in one sense, actually, there's, it's, it's already a bit mainstream. You know, we go back to some of those basic things. You know, you have you know, probably five or, or more liposome-based drugs already approved by the FDA. You know, and liposome is an nanoparticle. It's just, you know, you're getting a drug in, inside something uh, to, to make it more targeted. And most of them, as, as Ryan was mentioning, are focusing on, on tumors and, and cancer because of exactly that ability. And, and that's, you know, overall um, capacity for side effects for any sort of a cancerous uh, drug. Um, you know, at the same time, of course, we, we need to, we, you know, I, I need to agree with you that we haven't seen you know, nano uh, technology being applied, or, you know, it's, it's not, let's say, you know, at the level where you're, you're seeing it everywhere. And you should see more of it. And I actually, I remember, 
I know a few years back, there was, I think, an Accenture report saying, you know, where's, where's big pharma and nanotechnology? You know, they, they seem to be a bit um, away from, from a lot of these uh, technologies. You know, and of course, I know a lot of, of, you can say that a lot of drugs are, are nano. And I say when you look at the molecules, but what nanotechnology brings in particular nanoparticles in drug deliveries is that ability to I know, really modify the surface of those particles to get your drug where it needs to be. You know, and protect it until it gets there and then just release it where it is, where it needs to be. And I know to me, that's going to be the next level of drugs. You know, that's, that's the next bandwagon. Everyone that makes it red wants to be because if you, if you can, I know, deliver, I know, 10 micrograms of a drug instead of, you know, 1,000 and still get more drug where it needs to be, you know, where, where's, the, where's the issue there? So the things that I would add, one of them is a little bit cynical, uh, which is people don't publish negative results. And so if we're seeing a gap in terms of how much data that's coming out with some of these trials, it's probably because at least some of these technologies didn't work as well when they were actually put in patients. Um, and so some trials got dropped. Another thing to keep in mind is from a regulatory perspective, this goes back to what Joao was talking about earlier. Um, it's challenging because those nanoparticles stick around, right? And you need to do a very thorough accounting of where your particles go from a regulatory perspective in order for a trial to move forward. This is one of the big challenges with cell therapeutics, right? Because you need to have an accounting of where all of those cells have gone or the FDA is not going to be a fan. Brian, can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean about the accounting? How does that actually happening? How is the data um, becoming available? So for instance, for magnetic particles, like I was talking about way before, um, or somewhat before, I should say, uh, you can do a full body scan, you know, an MRI or anything else like that, and say, where are their magnetic particles? If they have spread out very far, you get a sense. Uh, with other kinds of particles, that is much harder to do though you can generally do it uh, in cases where you're doing these for imaging. Uh, that's sort of the purpose. But from a regulatory perspective, this is an ongoing challenge that people are trying to solve, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and what you brought up, you know, Ryan, you know, they, they are not without their challenges, even though I know one of the things that's, you know, makes them attractive is that supposedly they're gonna have a lot less side effects it is a new foreign body that you're you're introducing there. And, and there's been a lot of reports that some of these nanoparticles that people thought they're gonna be fully inert. You put them into people and they're they're not fully inert after all. You know, there there's some sort of I know immune reaction to them. You know, you see some I know some some side effects from from those nanoparticles. So there's a lot of engineering that needs to go to kind of make sure everything is, is working. Um, and I'll probably bring up you know, one, one field that looked interesting uh, to me within this topic are the extracellular vesicles, uh, which are pretty much, you know, you, you, all your cells, they release this sort of, um, you know, exosomes uh, from time to time, you know, which is pretty much just a bit of their, the cell that just goes out. You think of it about a, a tiny bit of cell that just gets um, expelled. Um, and one way that people have kind of managed to take advantage of that is looking at, hey, this thing is going to be well recognized by your body because it has all the stuff on the surface that you know all the cells are. So 
the body's going to look at you and say, hey, this is me, this is cool. I'm not going to act on it, right? And then what people have been doing is, okay, let's just put drugs on it, you know, so that they can deliver them to, to where they need to be delivered. You know, this has been done for, I know, vaccines, like getting mRNA inside for you to get the gene therapy where it needs. There's some people that have managed to, to show that, you know, you can get, I know, small molecules to deliver more common drug or even try and get some, I know, proteins being done in, in cells to get it there. And one of the key advantages is that I know, you can get the cells to do the entire process because, you know, for nanoparticles, I know, we're speaking about this, like, okay, you, you do need to get them inside. You know, and there's easier and harder processes, but then sometimes and then you need to do your surface modifications, and it can be a whole process. And one thing that looks interesting on this is that you can have most of that being made automatically by a cell, uh, but still a few years out of, of being there. There's some phase two trials that look promising, a few years out. Excellent insight, Joao. It sounds like it's mostly about being extremely hyper-targeted and getting these drugs where they need to go ultimately. Um, Ryan, why don't you take us home? What, are, what final thoughts do you have on the subject? So there are two areas where I think, uh, obviously more than two, but there are two in particular that I'm excited about uh, regarding nanotechnology and medicine. One of them is acting as an enabling technology for mRNA therapeutics, because I think that some of these delivery technologies that Joao was talking about, the exosomes, some of the vesicles, uh, carbon, some of these others, all represent very encouraging or promising ways to get mRNA into the cells where you need it to go. That's the first thing. Uh, the second one, which we haven't talked too much about, but is worth keeping an eye on, are quantum dot technologies, which are not just a particle, but do incorporate uh, basically an electrical connection, which can be broken you know, depending on the situation, which allows for very good sensing at a very small uh at a very small range. The only other thing I would say is that some of these technologies are also being used for diagnostics in oncology. Diagnostics in oncology is very important and can be very challenging. People are still looking for the best biomarkers. If nanotechnology can enable better, more sensitive, especially blood tests for cancer, that could save a lot of lives. Well, thank you to, to both of you. That is all the time that we have for today. And we hope our listeners enjoyed this conversation. And if you're not a subscriber already, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Our next episode, we're going to dive into the area of neuroscience. We haven't decided whether it's going to be autoimmune diseases or brain-computer interfaces. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.